have a destiny. I have a destiny. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, I love this. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. And it's interesting because I said to him, if you knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb, where was I? So where were you before you were formed in your mother's womb? Now this doesn't, it's not in the word, but it doesn't go against the word. And he said, you were in my heart in heaven, and each time a child was due to be born, you would put your little hand up, don't even go there with that, but you'd put your little hand up, and you would say, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go and be misunderstood, I'll go and be betrayed, I'll go and be maligned, I'll go and be martyred, I'll go. But I'll come forth as an overcomer because my name is written in the book of life as an overcomer. Whoa! And these are the days that God is raising up his kingdom children, the bride. It's time for the bride to come forth. It's time for the kingdom to be displayed. For the last several hundred years, we've been in the church age, but this is a new age. This is the age of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Signs, wonders, and miracles are at hand. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I felt the Lord saying, we're still waiting. We're still in the waiting. But he said to me, don't wait in discouragement or how long or, you know, despair. Wait in the waiting whistle. And if you're waiting for something and you start whistling, you're actually very at peace and contented. And so, what does life look like? Well, I was born in Palmerston North. I was one of three children. I have no or little childhood memory under the age of nine. And at nine, we shifted to Hamilton, where my parents ran a private hotel, and I was 14 when they went away for the weekend and left me to cook for the guests and look after the hotel. But, you know, I see all of it now. Like, I know this is hard for many of us, but nothing happens to us that hasn't passed by the hand of God, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Many things will happen to us that are never intended for us. But the glory of the Lord will be revealed as we allow him to create in us that new creature and not try to mend the old man. And so life went on for me. I met my husband at 15 and I fell madly in love. Oh, my goodness. And we were married for 56 years and he passed away in COVID last year. But you know, the beauty is we had seven weeks in lockdown. And I have to tell you, I'm sorry, everyone. But for me, it was the most beautiful seven weeks of my life. Our marriage was healed and restored in such a beautiful way. And I'll never believe that God doesn't use everything for good. 
And my husband was in the corporate world. It was a pretty fierce world to live in. And if your marriage survives the corporate world, it's more of a miracle than raising somebody from the dead. <laughs> and I'm sure you all know what I mean when I say that. It's a pretty rough world out there. And then he was CEO of the fifth largest company in New Zealand, and we were blessed in those days to have lunch with the Queen, dinner with Princess Anne, um, fly the Concorde. We had an amazing life, but it was always empty. And then he came out of the dairy industry. There's a whole story attached to that, but I'm not going into that today. But I felt it was like coming out of the courts of Egypt and into the wilderness of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Some of the greatest things happened to Joseph while he was in prison. See, everything that happens to us, if we will see it through the eyes of God, is molding our character for the days we're living in. And we are truly, truly living in the most incredible, historic time in all of history since Jesus walked the earth. This is a time like no other. And what amazes me is that God could have birthed all of us 200 years ago. He could have thought, oh, well, they can be birthed 200 years earlier. But he saved us for the greatest outpouring of souls of the harvest that this world will ever see. And it astounds me that he actually trusts us. He could have birthed us 200 years ago, but he saved us for now. He saved us for the very best. And so it's like, how do we prepare for the very best? How, because it is about our hearts. And God wants to breathe life onto everybody today. He wants to breathe courage. He wants to breathe boldness. He doesn't want you walking out of here like you came in. Inside of you is the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we'll go into that a little bit more. So I just want to share with you some of the keys to the preparation of a heart. And I remember one day, my husband and I were going on holiday, and we were in this jumbo jet. It was in the days of when the planes flew, and, <laughs> and it was a jumbo jet. And the air hostess came up to him. We were on holiday for a week and said to him, Mr. Calvert, would you like to come and sit up in business class on this flight, and I thought, oh, he won't say yes, we're going on holiday. And he said, yes, thank you. <laughs> I was not a happy girl. <laughs> that was just about to ruin our holiday. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, get your heart right and watch what I will do. So I said, okay, Lord, I bless him. I bless them. I bless them. See, we don't have to... Getting our heart right is with the words we portray from our mouth. 
and we were just about to take off and the air hostess came to me and she said, Mrs. Calvert, would you like to come into the cockpit of the jumbo <laughs> and sit in the engineer's seat? I thought, oh, anyone can go in business class. This is an amazing adventure on my bucket list, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> but you know what was even more amazing? We're coming back a week or 10 days later, and we go to land, and the air hostess comes up to me, different crew, and says, Mrs. Calvert, would you like to come and sit in the cockpit of the jumbo while we land? Yes, please, I said. And the Holy Spirit spoke and he said, when you keep your heart right and bless others that have an upgrade, watch the double portion. <laughs> when you keep your heart right and bless others that have a blessing that you would like, but if you choose to bless Watch the blessings that I'll pour out on you. It's just so amazing what God does when we choose. And our greatest destiny is in yieldedness. When we strike a problem, the first thing I do is say, Lord, I surrender it to you. And I remember this day having a quite a difficult decision to make, or there was a problem, and there didn't seem to be any way through it. And I remember, I just love God. Honestly, he is so amazing. And I remember driving out, backing out of my friend's place, and I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do with this? And across the road was the car with the number plate, go low. <laughs> See, when we yield and surrender... And this is what the word says. Now, this is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly, even if you've got to do it through your teeth nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them because a blessing is what God promises to give you. And I love that. You see, when we look away from the natural realm, we see into the spirit realm. And it's time for us to become, we are spirit beings long before we're human beings. Think about that. You're not really human. You're a spirit being that is locked inside a human body. Yes, you are, but you're a new. You cannot have Christ in us and not become a new creation. As we yield to Him and yieldedness as our great destiny, continually yielding to Him. Each trial we face carries the power to develop our character and hope as we press on with grit, 
and agree. Perseverance is the key along with yieldedness to spiritual success. And time and time and time again, when I don't understand what to do, I yield it to him. I yield it to him. And I love what Graham Cook says, what if we could weary the enemy by our love? What if we could cause him to be anxious by our patience? What if the fruits of the Spirit became alive in our life that every time we got frustrated, we chose to respond out of the fruit of the Spirit? And as I made that choice to respond, I began to see how God was really changing my heart and causing more of him to live inside of me. Because you see, you know what? Life with God is meant to be an adventure. It's not meant to be dull and boring. No, it's meant to be an adventure. So that every minute of every day, and I find that when I wake up in the morning, I say, Lord, here's the day, it's your day. I yield it to you. You can interrupt my day anytime you like. And it's amazing. And this is one interruption that is simply amazing. I was a guest speaker at a conference in Palmerston North, and I was the lady speaker, and I was to open the meeting at two o'clock. And I was late. And I was running flat out to get there and thought, if I keep going, I'll get there just on time. As I came toward the conference, <coughs> I saw a young woman coming toward me. And I could see her heart. See, when your heart's been broken, God enables you to see into the hearts of others. And I could see the sorrow. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late if I stop and talk to her. And then the Holy Spirit said, but Jesus was late for Lazarus and look what happened. <laughs> and, and you see, are we going to obey the Lord or keep to protocol. Now, I'm not saying you don't keep to protocol, but sometimes we need to hear the master's voice and follow that. And I looked at her, and actually I believe I saw the word suicide over her. And I'm sure if anyone's like me, there have been times in your life when it's been too hard to go on. But God is saying you have a destiny. You're dearly loved, richly valued, and greatly, greatly treasured. So I saw this young woman and I stopped and I said to her, you're dearly loved, richly valued, and greatly treasured. And she burst into tears and said, I've had the worst two weeks of my life. And out of my mouth popped, honey, you need Jesus. And she said to me, but I'm not religious. How does the world see us? And I said, I'm not religious either. Jesus hates religion and so do I. And she said to me, oh, well, can I just call out to him? I said, oh, yes. Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So she says, help Jesus. And the next minute she squeals at the top of her voice and says, Oh my God, 
She said, he's living inside of me. (laughs) So my question is, and did I say to her, find a church? No, that's Holy Spirit's role. But I did tell her to Google Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And find out who the man is, Jesus, that's come to live inside of her. And I'll tell you what, as she stood before me, I watched in utter amazement as 20 years fell off her life. See, righteousness, peace, and joy keep us youthful. And the word says, live for joy, and we men say all kinds of things. Leap for joy when men say all kinds of evil against you. And what happened to her, I don't know. But it wasn't my responsibility. My responsibility was to be obedient. You know, I lived my life out of obedience, uh, not in obedience to God. I lived my life as a very good religious person. But it wasn't till I yielded. And then I thought, if I yield, he might send me to Africa. which is where I wanted to go, and he never sent me. (laughs) And I said to him one day at a Heidi Baker conference, hey, God, what's up with this? Heidi said she'd go to Africa. Well, so did I. (laughs) And you never let me go. He said, I sent you to the mission fields. You forgot to ask me which mission field. (laughs) And the mission field he gave me was New Zealand. You know, our nation, and I remember the first time we ran one of our healing room conferences in Walkworth, and we were all over 65. We had no idea what we were doing. There were six of us to set the conference up, and the church, our Presbyterian church, was very helpful, and they were amazing. But the only thing I knew about a conference is they told you where the toilets were. And I'll never forget, and I was thinking, God, how am I going to, what do I call this conference? And so I'm hanging out the washing one day, and the Lord said to me, can a nation be saved in a day? And I said, yes, Lord, it's in your word, and if anything is in your word, it's absolute truth. He said, well, I want you to call the conference Preparation for a Nation. And I thought, wow, I like that, God. That's a pretty good title, Preparation for a Nation. We did no advertising. We were really, how it ever turned out is by the grace of God. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think we had 385 people turn up. I was astounded. But you see, it never takes God by surprise. So the next year, we were going to run another conference And I thought, oh, we'll do it like they do manifest presence. We'll call it preparation for a nation. And the Holy Spirit said to me, what do you think I'd like to call it? Whoa. I said, well, Lord, what would you like to call it? He said, I want you to call it fullness of time. And I thought, wow. And I didn't know till after the conference was over that 2012 was fullness of time. And so we had another one. We had two more, and then the Lord said, no more. 
I thought, oh, that's good. And <laughs> so the next year, I said, Lord, what do you want to call this one? He said, I want you to call it The Lion is Roaring. I'm going to tell you a story about the lion in a minute. And the last one, I said, all right, Lord, what do we call this one? He said, light in the darkness. And from that, the healing rooms, and they're 30 now, they've dropped away. But you know what? It's not about numbers. If you start a cell group and there's only two, you have two hungry ones and you'll create a riot and a revival. And I remember the days of when we ran our training days and the Lord said, don't look at numbers. We still run them today. Don't look at numbers. And actually, it's not even about healing rooms. It's actually about connecting the body of Christ. And when we get together, we don't actually talk about our church. We talk about what God's doing in the kingdom. It's just amazing. We've, we, we've got friends with Anglicans, Presbyterian, Baptists, Catholics, you name it. Every church, it's just beautiful what God is doing. There's such a wave of unity coming across the body of Christ. It's so beautiful. And from that, we, we had our training day. And one Saturday, we had 40. And the following Saturday, we had two. And if we're looking at numbers, we will be disappointed. Or if we're waiting and thinking, they say this revival's coming, how long? Instead of saying, hey, thank you, God, for birthing me for this time in history, that I'm a history maker. Each of you in this room, whether you feel like it or not, especially the young lady down there, you, you're a history maker. You're a history maker. You're born for greatness. You're born to make a difference. You're born for greatness. You're born for greatness. You're born to make a difference. Each one of us is born to make a difference. You're no mistake. You're no mistake. You're here because God needs you. Your atmosphere changes. What does it look like being an atmosphere changer? means going into the supermarket, having a trolley in the aisles free and skipping down the aisle. <laughs> it's just the most amazing way to live. It's so different, the adventures of God. And I remember this particular day, driving to the airport, I was flying somewhere, and the Lord said, I want you to stop and go in um, to that florist, and I want you to buy a bunch of flowers. There's somebody at the airport that needs to get those bunch of flowers. Such an exciting life when we yielded and surrendered to him. And so in the waiting for the flowers to be set, I went next door and there was a woman and she was she was a shop assistant. And I said to her, Are you in pain? And she said, Can you smell the deep heat? And I said, no, I can't, but I said, I can see. And she said, oh, she said, you'll never believe what happened. I was taking the roasting dish out from a family dinner last night, and as I turned around, I pulled the muscle in my back, and I said, look, I believe in the healing power of Jesus for prayer. Can, can I pray for you? And she said, okay. So I just 
there was no one in the shop. She looked around to make sure no one was there. And I just laid hands on her. And all of a sudden, the look of astonishment on her face. And she said, that's amazing. It had gone. You see, you and I are carriers of signs, wonders, and miracles. But it requires us to step out in faith. And when you do it the first time, it's like you, no one ever says no to a blessing. You see someone that looks like they're in pain, just say, hey, may I bless you? You may get refused, but don't let that stop you. The disciples got refused. It's time to step out, church, and become the created one who lives inside of us. And so I went next door. She, she was blown away. She said, wait till my family hears about this. I thought, gosh, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in her home. And I got to the airport, and I went up to the counter, and I saw this woman, and the Lord said, she's the one who's to have the flowers. I gave her the flowers, and she burst into tears. She said, my mother died a week ago. And I was able to say to her, the goodness of God, he knows all about you, whether you know him or not, and he wants you to receive these flowers. See, that's kindness. Let's be known as the kindest nation on the globe. Let's be known as the ones who care for each other. Let's be known as those who walk the extra mile. What would it look like if instead of getting so consumed with our daily lives that we began to see with the eyes of our heart? And I just decree right now that the eyes of every... Just place your hands on your heart. Father, I decree in Jesus' name that the eyes of every heart would be opened. The eyes of every heart would be opened, that they'd begin to see people through your eyes, begin to see the love that you have for each individual, that any judgment or criticism, all those rotten, stinking things would leave in Jesus' name, and that we would have such a love. Father, I release that beautiful spirit of love. Jesus, release that love, for only three things will remain at the end of the age, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Father, we need love. We need an outpouring of your love, the fire of your love. Yes, the fire of your love, the fire of your love, and the fire of your love are signs, wonders, and miracles. In the fire of your love, deep compassion, Father, that we need hearts of compassion. When the when the leper came to Jesus, he said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus, full of compassion, said, I'm willing, be healed. Compassion is the key to signs, wonders, and miracles. Compassion and the love of God. We can't do it. I say to God, I don't like this part of me. Whoa. But I yield it to you and give you permission to change this. And I'm amazed because six months later, I think, wow, I'm not responding the way I once did. See, he will do it if we will yield. He will do it if we will yield. Hmm. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I just feel the Lord saying that I'm to put your hands on your heart, close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to trauma in everyone's life. All trauma that is upon their body, I speak to trauma and I command it to leave now. Every spirit of trauma, get off people's lives. Get off the hearts, get off the body. In Jesus' name, all trauma, where people have been traumatized, I command that trauma to go to the cross in Jesus' name. And I curse the root of all trauma. I curse the very root of all trauma. Commanded to leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All grief and sorrow go in Jesus' name. All pain and shock. All pain and shock leave now in Jesus' name. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I break the soul ties to every powerful event that has occurred in, in these lives in this room, from in the womb right up till now. Soul ties to powerful events of accidents, deaths, betrayals. Go now in Jesus' name. I break your power. I break your power in Jesus' name. God's setting you free. God's setting you free. He's taking you back to places you may even have forgotten about. And he's saying, I'm releasing you from those powerful events. No more will you be, some of you have had, are haunted by them. No more will you be haunted by them. He's freeing his daughters. He's freeing you. He's freeing you. He's freeing you. That you'd know you're dearly loved, richly valued, and greatly treasured. You're dearly loved, richly valued, and greatly treasured. Dearly loved, richly valued, and greatly treasured. And you know the Lord knows what no one else knows. He knows the pain and the suffering. He sees what you've walked through that few understand. But he's saying, you're my overcomer and I'm bringing you into a whole new day that the past will never be and what you're stepping into is a whole new future. I've raised you up, and because you've stood in days past, you will stand in the dark days that are coming. But you will shine brighter. You will shine brighter. You will shine brighter in the darkness. You will be known. And I break the lie that you're a mistake. I break the lie of that. I break that lie right now in Jesus' name. I declare that lie, the power of that be broken 
In Jesus' name. And I release peace. 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 Peace that passes all understanding. And I say to everyone here, go into peace. Hidden in Christ, the hope of glory. You're born for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to reveal to you who really does live inside of you. And I can share this testimony because it happened at a Presbyterian church in Pukekohe. And a man had come up after the training day. See, two powerful keys for our freedom are forgiveness. And we cannot wait until that person forgives us. We have to choose, even through gritted teeth, to forgive. Because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God will work everything out. If we will take that willing step, Father, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me, the Lord's Prayer. It's so powerful. Take that first step. Because all of us in this room will have been wounded, misunderstood and hurt. But it is time. If we're going to make the days that are coming, we need to allow the Lord to do the deep work in us that needs to be done. And so why the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah? And I'm going to get you all up in a minute to roar because you need to know who truly lives inside of you. So I was at a Presbyterian church and we'd finished our training day and a person had come up to me, a man, and said, look, you shared about, I was delivered of an ancestral spirit of murder. We won't go there. It's a whole different story again. And he said, after you've shared that, I know I need deliverance from that thing. I have a rage that's uncontrollable. And I said, well, look, come up at the end of the day and we will minister to you. So we do the impartation and I get to him and I hear the still, small voice of God. And he says to me, I want you to roar over him. And I said, God, you've got to be joking. I've never done this in my life. I don't know whether it'll come out like a squeak. I just didn't. I thought I'll be run out of town. But I know the voice of my Lord. And what caused me obedience was for the joy he endured the cross. And I couldn't bear to think that I'd hurt him and I didn't obey and bring pain and suffering again to him. I couldn't face him at the end of the day knowing I hadn't obeyed. So I thought, well, here we go. The minister's standing behind him in the Presbyterian church. And I took a deep breath and I roared. Well, I got such a shock because out of me came the most amazing sound. And the Lord said, that's me. I'm the resurrected one and I want to get out of you. 
I want to rise up in you. I want to become all that I died for you to be. And he went out, the guy, under the spirit and was gone. And the Presbyterian minister said to me, good heavens, Julie, that was the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And inside of each one of us, and then I've, as the Lord's led me, I've released the roar. And at one meeting, two women down the back were sovereignly delivered with the roar. I've just seen deliverances, healings. It's amazing because it's saying, see, we're spirit beings. So it's saying to the powers of darkness, your time in my life is finished. You are not going to have your rule over me any longer. I'm rising up to become all you died and birthed me to be. So just as we close, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And on the count of three, and I will encourage you to put your tongue up the top of your mouth and let the roar come from here. And if you do that, you won't cough. <laughs> so that's the practical side of the roar. So when you roar, put your tongue up there and just let it out. Let him rise up inside of you. Because the lamb and the lion live in us. But we'll never know the lamb until we understand the lion. So one, two, Three. Ah! Wow. And we're going to do it three times again. Ah! Last time. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. You are changing us from glory to glory. You're the great I am. And your word says, be still and know. Be still and know that. Be still and know that I am. I am lives inside of us. I am wants that resurrected life in us. And I decree resurrection life in every person to rise up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I speak. Resurrection life in every soul in this room. Resurrection life. Rise up. Resurrection life, rise up. Resurrection life, rise up. Hope, hope afresh, hope afresh. I decree you shall not die, but live to declare the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. I decree your warriors born for such a time as this. The kingdom of God is at hand. Thank you, Lord. And each one of you, as you yield are becoming the overcomers that are written about in your book of life 
in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Julie, just want to share something with you quickly um, that she didn't before. So, Julie, I'm handing over the mic to you. Thank you. Just very quickly, and also that worship. Oh, you have no idea how much you delight all of heaven when you worship, when you play. Wow, beautiful. I just wanted to share the story about that man who um, I roared over and he went out cold. Well, um, he came back up to us and so we were all set to pray deliverance. And he said, no, 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 I don't need that. He said, when you roared, that thing left me. So I'm encouraging you, when your family, when you feel a little bit upset, go outside or go get a pillow and absolutely roar. The Maori women that I shared that with, they go for a drive in their car, roar and find the atmosphere of their family different when they come back.